Robert. Hello, Meryl. Hello, listening audience. Um, thank you for joining us again for another installment in our coverage of the COVID-19 crisis and its impact in smaller communities across our state. So, Meryl, I know we've got another conversation um, that we're going to share with our audience today. Who do we have uh, today? Now we're going to be hearing from Zoe Myers. Zoe is the executive director of the Cook County Family Connections. So she brings us a perspective really seeped in the nonprofit community and service providers um, down in Cook County, which is in southwest Georgia. Awesome. I'm looking forward to that conversation. Let's get into it. All right. Hello. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Um, for our listeners, will you please introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Zoe Myers, and I'm the executive director of Cook County Family Connection. We're a nonprofit collaborative located in small rural Cook County. We're about 30 miles north of the Florida state line, and we have about 50 a little over 50 local and regional partners who make up our nonprofit collaboratives here in Cook County. And how long have you been doing that? Wow, I've been serving as their director now for going on 21 years. Oh my goodness. And, and that is why I called, I know you're an expert. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And they're, they're a great collaborative to work with. I tell you, they're wonderful folks. We're part of of course, the Georgia Family Connection Partnership, as you know, there is a Family Connection Collaborative in all 159 counties across Georgia. And then also we're one of 11 organizations that are funded through Healthcare Georgia Foundation under the Two Georgias Initiative, which is improving rural health equity. So we have a lot going on, but some really fantastic partners. And tell me, given especially that health connection and your relationship with all the folks who are doing direct service in Cook County, how are things going? Well, like everyone else right now, it's a little bit of a challenge because a lot of us have um, had to close our offices and move to home offices and work and finding new ways to connect a lot of Zoom meetings and go-to meetings and conference calls. So the way that the majority of us are doing business has of course changed, but we're just finding new ways to adapt to that so that we still stay connected and try to stay focused on our purpose. And let's talk about that for a second. Um, I know the coronavirus crisis has swept our state, and especially in your area. Um, you're not too far from Albany, which is one of the hot spots. And right. I know that everything is so interconnected in that whole region. Um, what is in place? What for, for people in the nonprofit space, what's the focus? What have folks been able to do to respond to this? Well, of course, it's different in every county and community as we go along. But in our particular community, we have found that, of course, once the schools, after school programs, childcare centers, all of that had to close down, one of our most immediate critical needs that arose was around food insufficiency. And of course, folks started getting laid off or their businesses having to close. So 
We had situations where not only were the children removed from their primary food source, but also parents were dealing with the additional stresses of no childcare, trying to be at home with the kids, what happens when all of a sudden you're unemployed. So all of that came to the surface immediately as food crisis. So we, we pulled together several partners. We had folks who voluntarily came to the table quickly and said, we need to find some solutions for that. So to give you a couple of quick examples, um, we were just tremendously blessed that we had an anonymous partner who stepped up and, and donated a generous fund to help us with emergency food. So one of the first things that we did, we have about 68 senior citizens who are housed in the same building that we're in in Cook County. And when the senior center closed and they had to go home, of course, that eliminated that daily meal that they received. So we started with them. So last Friday, we actually had a manna drop. We worked with Second Harvest Food Bank, who has just been tremendous to work with and managed to bring in a truckload of staple and canned foods. And we also worked with some local partners to get up fruit bags, paper products, all of that. So we had 68 senior citizens who were able to have someone bring them through this drive-through process on Friday where they popped their trunks before they got to us, of course, and stayed in their cars. And we had just a few volunteers there who were loading at least 50 pounds of canned foods into their truck, trunk with all of the produce and snacks and paper products that went with it. So we were able to serve them on Friday with enough that will carry them for about 30 days. And then once we started that, we said, well, there are so many other folks besides the senior citizens who are in immediate need. So what we did as of yesterday, as a matter of fact, is we went to some of our community partners and we set up four different sites that we call them free food tables or tabletop pantries. It's just a table that is stacked with canned goods and rice and grits and the basic staples that help families to get through at this time. So we worked with um, a local business through our Chamber of Commerce. So we have a site right downtown Adel, so people can stop, walk up to this table that's outside so there's no contact with anyone else and take what they need off of that table. So we have the one at a business downtown. We have one at Candy Cane's Learning Center, which is um, a child care provider that's in one of the poorest neighborhoods in our community. We have one at the Community Service Center in Sparks, and then we have one at the Federally Qualified Health Clinic in Lenox, which is in the north end of our county. So just in the last 48 hours, we are seeing tremendous amounts of people utilize these free food tables. That's magnificent. That is, that's really cool. 
It is. It really it's, it's such an important need right now. And you know, with um, the closing of the school, of course, you know that that's created some issues around the children who count on the school every day for their primary source of food. So in our community, we had a team of volunteers that stepped up. Some of them were from the chamber, some from law enforcement, some are our board members. So a lot of faith groups came into it. So they pulled together a really strong group of volunteers and they're working with Second Harvest every day and distributing sandwich lunch meals from a couple of different locations. And right now for the past several days, they've been serving at least five to 600 children every day for lunch, again, through that drive-through process where they just hand them off into the car to the children. But the, the food project, I think, has been really important because people are panicked and worried about that. So we've tried to address that need. I know what a relief that that must be. I can't imagine the, the panic of not being able to feed your children. Right. Is, uh, paralyzing. Right. So Can you tell me? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. So we've been excited about that. And also, uh, just one other thing I think um, that's important is during this time of social distancing, it has given us an opportunity to begin really ramping up our social media. Um, we primarily use Facebook for Cook County Family Connection, but we're finding that on average we're reaching about 3,500 readers a month through that. So we think that's a really good opportunity to share resources about safety and health and education. Like today, for instance, we've been reminding folks that even in the midst of this crisis, it is still census day. So we're right. promoting the importance of that. And of course, April, is Child Abuse Prevention Month, and usually we're out in the community doing events for that. But with the social distancing, we said, well, this is an opportunity to use social media, printed media, to begin really driving home those child abuse prevention messages. And so um, it's very important to see that kind of, I know so many People have been reaching out via things like Zoom meetings, even just not just with work when you're working remotely, but also people with friends and FaceTime and Facebook video. Right. It's a it's important to remember that we have that we have neighbors that care about us, and we that's care. exactly right. We're we're not in this alone. Mm -hmm. So then, what challenges do you see that you are still facing, or what are things that are maybe uh, problems yet to be solved, other than the big obvious one, right? Which is that we are in the middle of a of a health crisis. Absolutely, I think, um, of course, immediate for everyone right now is that we're having to look at how we balance these critical immediate needs of the families that we're trying to serve and balancing that with the necessity for social distancing. Of course, we know that there are 
families and residents and children in the community who are dealing with things in addition to just hunger. They have immediate needs that have to be addressed, but also we understand the importance of protecting everyone's safety right now. So just thinking in new and different ways about how we balance that, how we use every possible precaution in the work that we're doing. And I think, Merrill, also um, something we're doing is kind of scanning the horizon in the future, if you will, to say, let's look at beginning to assess what are the community needs going to look like a month from now, maybe two months from now, and trying to begin preparing as a collaborative for ways that we can address the needs that may be coming right down the road. That foresight is so critical. Um, we talk about that a lot internally as well um, at the partnership. Just right now, everyone is trying to stay afloat in terms of just their everyday life and sort of put the fires out. But the ramifications of this situation will be ongoing. What are you seeing? Um, what are your uh, concerns for the future on like a one month or two month or six month timeline? You know, it's it's still so hard to say at this point. Um, because it's a constantly know, changing situation, right? And we, you know, we know that so so much of the assistance that's coming through the various government programs will help, but we don't know for certain when those will kick in. So, you know, your basic necessities and things like rent and utilities and food and, you know, everything. We just really don't know at this point what the situation will be. We think about, um, you know, it's not always easy to talk about, but we talk a lot about trauma. Mm. And we begin wondering, you know, a few months from now, what will the trauma effects look like, not only for the children who have been through this, but as well for our healthcare workers, the folks who have been on the front lines, the first responders, in what ways can we begin to build systems, technical assistance, whatever, that will help them with some of the trauma after we've moved through this crisis? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's hard to forecast, but I, right. I, I love that you guys are thinking about it because it will come in one way or the other and and being able to hunker down and focus on the immediate needs while still keeping one eye to the horizon I think is so important right now. It really is. So then tell me what are some bright spots? What are some good things? Um, either, I mean, you, you've mentioned a few so far, but is there anything you want to highlight of either either bright spot moments that have happened in your community or um, perhaps systems or protocols or I don't know what the word is that you guys have been able to put in place that maybe your neighbors in, in similar communities could learn from or benefit from? Well, you know, I think for, for what, 21 years now, I have talked about the power of collaboration because, of course, being a family connection collaborative, that is our focus and we talk about the power of that. But I can tell you that 
over the past couple of weeks and as we continue to move forward, we actually see the manifestation of that power of people working together and volunteering. Um, as I mentioned earlier, just for instance, the food projects that we've accomplished in the past several days, we have had so many partners that were involved in that. People, you know, we started setting up the the little free food tables, the tabletop pantries. We started out with four partners who were going to manage those, but all of a sudden, my phone was literally ringing off the hook with local churches calling and some of our food pantry partners saying, let us step in and help with this too and take up some of the slack and bridge and connect this one. So just the fact that we have a strong partnership with so many diverse people who are passionate about the work and really step forward to live up to what they preach in these times of need, I think is really important. So there's Tons to be said about the power of real collaboration between partners. There really is, and I'm a big believer that that if you really want to make an impact, you can't do it by yourself. Yeah, you, you got to build those bridges, and so that's you guys are living it. Have you had much in terms of partnerships with schools or businesses? Yes, the school, um, our local school system is a key leader in our collaborative. They have been since our inception. And so we work very closely with them. They've been as busy as they can possibly be thinking of new and creative ways to keep families engaged. I know they're busy making a lot of videos. They had a um, teacher parade that they put out on social media yesterday where the teachers from the uh, pre-K and primary school had the opportunity to talk to the children as they paraded by. So they're doing a lot of things mm. to keep a social connection with the children. They're providing a lot of resources, educational learning sites constantly on their websites and doing what they can do to keep the families as engaged as possible through this period of separation. That's really heartwarming. I've it seen is. the videos of teacher parades, them, you know, driving by and just waving out their windows at their students. And it always, it is so heartwarming. And so knowing that that's going on in Cook County makes, makes me happy. Good, good. Yeah, they're doing tremendous work. And we also have, um, you know, we have a, a good relationship, a close partnership with our Chamber of Commerce, which is important. You know, of course, in small rural communities, you have a lot of people who are in the same organization. So a lot of our collaborative partners and board members are also members and leaders in the Chamber. And that makes things easier, I think, than in than maybe in some large urban areas that there's such a sure everyone social is, network. Everyone's plugged in. They know what other people are doing. They know who to call if they have a question or a need. Right. Having that kind of cross-pollination, I think, is is really critical. Everybody sort of carries a different 
flowed within a community, but each one of their, you know, everyone's lane affects the other lane. So right. So we well, feel positive. We feel positive about what's happening right now. You know, like I said, we're, it's a balancing act, but it is for everyone right now. So we're just looking at new ways of doing business, doing it very safely and from as far a distance as possible, but still trying to look forward, stay focused, scan that horizon and stay on track. Well, and it sounds like from a far distance, but close in heart. You guys are right. You guys are inspirational. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for sharing your stories and I really appreciate it and stay safe. You do the same. Well. Very, very nice to talk to you, Meryl. Always a pleasure to talk to you, though. Bye-bye. Appreciate you. Bye. Meryl, we just heard from Zoe Myers and Cook County, and wow, what a series of challenges they are facing in their community. A couple that really um, hit home for me is this combination of food insufficiency lack of child care compounded by unemployment and how you've got families who are trying to navigate all three of those at the same time. And then in contrast, Zoe talks about the power of a real collaboration and how they're, they're, they're tackling some of these issues by way of partnerships and collaboration, which was encouraging and for us as an organization that thrives on partnerships. Um, I can really find a lot of joy in knowing that they're they're leveraging their networks to to work i agree with that i think that they are such a great example of creative solutions i mean they are they're pulling together um with family connections they are able to fill in a lot of gaps that um some other communities you know as as other pieces i don't know what i'm trying to say they're able to fill in gaps and 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 help carry the community over as other pieces of our society are shut down or unable to operate or um you know are trying to navigate the new normal they've really stepped up and and been a part of solutions so that's it's it was a great conversation <laughs> for that absolutely it was absolutely. although um, I really do pay, pay attention to when she says, you know, there's a lot we don't know about what the world is going to look like, you know, a month from now, six months from now, et cetera. Um, but we do know and should be preparing for there to be some trauma that comes out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, abuse and neglect are, this is a prime situation for all of the stresses that uh, in everyone's lives to to get stronger, um, the temperature is sort of being turned up. And so in situations where there is abuse and neglect, uh, we, sh- we can expect to see spikes in that um, and in addiction. And I really appreciated her perspective of saying we should be looking forward and seeing that on the horizon and preparing for it now. There's a lot we don't know, but we can we can reasonably expect there to be more trauma after this. Yes. And as unfortunate as that is, thinking and preparing for that um is responsible. So that's that's just smart. So um again, to our listeners, thank you for being with us. We are grateful that you have given your time to hear what 
not what we have to say as the partnership, but what folks who are on the ground across the state are doing to support their communities during the COVID-19 crisis. And look forward to you being with us again. Take care. Take care. Hey there, listener. One more thing before you go. You've been hearing from us, but we'd love to hear from you. We at the Georgia Partnership always want to get better at what we're doing. So let us know what you think so far. Also, what are we missing out there across this great state? Who's doing cool things in your neighborhood to support the education and workforce pipeline? What innovations and solutions has your community come up with around economic development? Are there some great partnerships between sectors like housing, health, transportation that are making a difference in your educational outcomes? We'd love to hear about them and spread the word about good work being done across Georgia. We hope to hear from you. Contact us, go to our website, gpee.org, and click on the Contact Us tab in the top right corner. Or give Robert, our communications guru, a call at 404-223-2464. Thanks for listening, listener.